This is all live. You know that, right? Wait, really? We are not live. I got you. Blinded by the light, and it's a shame that all you can do is trash talk. Andre sucks at Dragon Ball Fighter Z, except for Broly. I gotta admit, you beat me up, but I beat you up for the rest. So Broly's my guy. No. Why you? Why you use Broly? No, no, no. No, Cooler's your guy. Only he got one shot. No, cooler. Blinded by the light. <laughs> What's the Are we ready to get this started? Anyway. Could you flip box? Wait, we're actually keeping that. Could you flip box, bro? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza. And again, for the second episode in a row, we are pop culture without pizza. This is a disturbing trend. For the 30th time. Not the 30th hey, time. Hey, man, time's rough. Yeah, I guess so. What you had? You had chili. You had chili. I had honey nut Cheerios, which gave gave me beef out over. But he had beef and broccoli. You're not supposed to tell people my diet. <laughs> I had Chinese food. You had broccoli. I had broccoli. I had my veggies. I had a good sizable portion of protein. There you go. And veggies. And the the place downstairs, they do skimp out on. The, the meat. They give you more vegetables than meat. Oh, so yeah, that whole thing was all green. Exactly. So you're, you're good. Yeah. Pop culture over pizza. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Uh, let's go around and tell everybody who we are, starting with... This is Metatron. Greetings. Wolfie. I'm a little bit nasally. I'm a little sick still. Recovering, so I hope uh, it doesn't make your ears bleed. Um, some version of Elias. I love Gucci flip-flops, as usual. I am Walt. The dark. Walt, whatever. I don't know. Anyway. Um, just, and before we get on with the show, I just want to remind everybody to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on Tumblr. We are on YouTube. We have a webpage somewhere out there. I don't remember the, the web address, but I will put it on the show notes. Find us. We've got stuff out there. Um, and that being said, let's get on with the show. Wolfinator is bugging me out here because it is 10 o'clock at night and he's wearing sunglasses. What's up with that, Wolfinator? Let's go. I feel like the, uh, I feel the Schwarzenegger you know, running coursing through my veins right now. That's all it is. It's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the chopper. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. We're getting way off track. At least we didn't have any, uh, what you guys have? Chocolate milk the last time? No. Drugged chocolate milk. Specifically from you know where. No, I don't. <laughs> Seriously, bro? What's the only place that drugs chocolate milk? Nesquik what, specifically. Hershey's? No, Area 51. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's the only place that We're uses Nesquik? <laughs> <laughs> right? Are we doing a ninja run? Is that, is that still a thing? Mm, I don't know. What is the status of the Area 51? Uh, I, I think it got a bit old. Yeah. I think it had it, its 15 minutes of fame. People forgot about it. Pretty much, 30 right? minutes of fame. Make that 30. 30 minutes of fame. Yeah. That works. And Gucci still has its one hour fame. <laughs> Alright, so. Geek outs. Yeah, let's get started with the geek outs. Let's go first. 
taking no. going once, going right, twice. I guess I'll go first. There we go. Um, well, as per the usual, I'm still going through Dragon Ball. I'm actually almost finished with it. Um, like, like a quarter way through the final season. Yeah. And, oh, thank God. I got around to seeing season two of One Punch Man. Ooh. Oh, wow. Nice. How was it? Season one or season two? Season two. Season two. Ooh. Here's, here's the thing. I can see why everyone's complaining about, like, the new animation style. It is a bit weird, because you are used to, like... It's like what uh, we were talking about this with Hatha the other day. It was really smooth for a season, the way they animated it. And... At times, it feels a little choppy. Okay. But if you're discounting that, I loved where they took this. Tori. All right, guys. So, so those of you guys that are wondering what just happened, um, Walt was trying to sneak by around our studio desk slash table, and he totally just ate it <laughs> and fell and rolled over the couch over here on his way to the fridge. Uh, you're okay there, bud? It'll never be the same again. <laughs> Let's try this one more time. <laughs> Ow! I'm guessing the drugs last a few months. Uh, you gotta cut that little piece out. You gotta put it at the end of the episode as a cover. No, man. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep it in. I think it works well. It's a. It's a good way to transition to what were we talking about again? I was no just talking about One Punch Man. Yeah, your segues are not there this week. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so, anyway. what, what would you... So, definitely better than the first season? Um, I wouldn't say better than the first season. I would say it's not lost in season. I still find it really good. Okay. Especially in terms of the story, like I said. Alright, um, who's next? I guess I'll go then. Um, yeah, I'm still recuperating. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, I had a chance to check out uh, Batman Ninja, which was <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. You know, I'm not like a huge DC animated film kind of guy. Um, I like the films, but generally I feel like the animation is a little bit stale, especially, you know, when you compare it to some of the some of the animation that you see out there, not just like Japanese animation in general, but a lot of other animated stuff. Um, Batman Ninja was absolutely phenomenal as far as the animation goes, the story, the whole nine. I thought it was great. I feel like they need to make a full on like ninja. Ninjaverse? Yeah, they gotta make a ninjaverse because seeing all of them in like ninja gear and attire. It just, it feels like that's what the Batman universe should have always been. I feel like they need to create a storyline where Batman takes over the League of Shadows and becomes the master of all the ninja and operates his, like, you know, Batcave, almost like a ninja clan, like Nightwing and Red Robin and Robin and all of them. I want them, I feel like they should be more ninja-esque, you know what I mean? No, I, I agree. 
I think, and I, I could be wrong, but I think this is an original story that hasn't it's ever... An, no, no, it's an original story. Yeah, it's never been seen in the comic books. I think what, what yeah. happened was is that um, DC wanted to do something different. And so they they saw the animated the anime space, yeah. right? And they went out to Japan and found yeah, all these got, creators. Yep, yep. And I think there's like three different styles, right? In it's there, two styles. Style. So two it's styles? just... It's, it's, okay. Uh, you have like their cell shaded three um, D uh, animation style, mm-hmm. uh, but in between, right in the middle, it's really cool. They transitioned to a watercolor yeah. uh, animated style. When they when they went to meet the Joker, right? When they went yeah. to find the Joker, mm-hmm. um, which was a cool twist. I mean, like everything was great. Like the the, the, the fight choreography, the storyline. Um, I thought I, I I would give it you know eight out of eight slices if we did like a full on review to it, mm-hmm. and I just I wish I could see more of it. Um, like I said, I feel like I feel like it should be part of somehow they need to introduce it as like canon to the comic books, and and because there was one thing that happened in 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 the in the movie where Bruce Wayne realizes that he's nobody without his tech. It's kind of yes. like what happened with uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man in mm-hmm. Iron Man uh, Three. Yeah, yeah, in Iron Man Three, where he didn't have the suit anymore, and he, you know, was having like anxiety attacks because he didn't have the suit. And Bruce Wayne was kind of going through the same thing. It was like, who am I? I'm like, I'm a nobody without my Batmobile, without my gadgets and everything. Um, being in feudal Japan, and then realizing that the gadgets don't make him Batman. You know, it's his smarts, his intellect, and he has to do everything. Now more with like, like cunning and mental like strategy in the whole nine, and I feel like they kind of need to bring that back into the Batman universe because I feel like everything is now like super super tech, which is cool, mm-hmm. but it gets away from like, you know, what made Batman cool. Yeah, he becomes right? too reliant on the tech, and yeah. and by doing that, he loses a piece of himself. Yeah, because yeah. he's no longer Batman; he's Batman tech. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you know, I think that they need to incorporate something like that in the actual Batman continuity line, where he goes back to the roots of being, you know, a master detective who also happens to have been trained by ninjas. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a place for that. And you know, I would love to see that. I would love to see a whole like Batman ninja, you know, comic line. So let me ask you the question. Because I, I agree with you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Batman Ninja, but I gotta ask you, what did you think about the mech, and what did you think about the bat? Batman. <laughs> All right, so so here's the thing, like the the thing that I loved about uh, this film as an anime is that. They went all out with all the Japanese fandom and animation tropes, mm-hmm. which they did a Megazord basically yes. kind of battle, and which um, is not something you normally see in a Batman. You don't see that at all book, in a Batman TV comic. show. Movie. You really kind of only see this in Japanese uh, culture where, mm-hmm. with like you know their shows, but it really showed me that like that they. They really wanted to bring the entire culture of Japanese uh, art and pop culture and stuff like that into this one movie. If you only have one shot of doing it, why not throw everything in there? Yeah, no, I agree. Which is why I think it was cool that like everything was done very artistically to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and going back to like that middle scene that they transitioned to like a watercolor section, I thought that was you know it was awesome because again it was like we want we want to show these normal like well not normal but like the our fans that watch the animated movies you know what Japanese art is like yes. in the animated space in case you know you're not a fan of it because truth be told I don't think that the the you know the demographic that watches the animated movies are also into manga or anime itself mm-hmm. I think that it's like a very select few people like ourselves that are also into anime and kind of like the standard of UBN and stuff yeah I happen to think that the, the line is blurring but it's blurring slowly yes you know yes. There, you have your hardcore anime fans and then you have the DC animated folks I think like you said taking Batman Ninja and blending the two mediums together is a stroke of genius, right? Yeah. And it works well because, again, Batman has those virtues like a samurai, yeah. right? So why not put him in feudal exactly. Japan? I feel like, it's perfect. I feel like this is what like has been missing from Batman. Like I've gotten away from Batman comics just because I don't feel like that connection with, like, uh, you know... It's become virtuous. a soap opera. Yeah, it's like a soap opera. Yeah. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't feel that connection with like the virtuous, like uh, you know, crusader mm-hmm. who, let's not forget, is a ninja. You know, yeah. he's a ninja. I think everybody's kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, you know, who's, who's, who's his teacher? His teacher was Raj Al Ghul. Raj Al Ghul was one of the. Yeah. So yeah. Raj Al Ghul always mentions him as his greatest student. Right? Okay. So. Go back to those uh, goes back to those beginnings and stuff, and just embrace it. I think it's yeah. perfect, man. That's why I want. I really wanted you to watch Batman Ninja because I yeah. thought you would appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I've kind of fallen off of, like the Batman line as of recently. Just well, not as recently for a while now. It's just uh, I don't know. Like I feel like it's. I feel like they're trying to do their own like Spider Verse kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I'm not into like Red Hood and Nightwing like I think those characters are really stale you know I like uh, Damien a lot mm-hmm. but I don't think that he's like a big part of it either you know I feel yeah. like they can focus on it more mm-hmm. but they don't and well, Batman is their cash cow yeah so, I know you know but like if you're gonna do like a Batman universe I would like to see it more as like not a ninja clan itself but more operating like so you know what I mean okay Sounds good. Let me ask you one last question, and it's not related to Batman Ninja, but okay. is related to Batman. Okay. Um, I think you did watch finally Batman Hush. Oh God! And so we bro- we talked about it briefly off air. Um, yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts of the movie so, on air. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, right. We, we, just did, a quick we time. did do a review last episode on Hush. Um, or viewer geek out. It was a geek out, yeah. But regardless, um, I I I did not like it, and I explained to you, I explained this to you before. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Hush only because it was called Hush. Right. Now let me explain. Okay, the movie is not centered around Hush. Mm-hmm. The movie is centered around Batman's relationship with Catwoman, um, him, you know, you know, revealing himself to be Bruce Wayne to Catwoman, and kind of like the big highs and the ups of their partnership and their lows and stuff like that. And it ultimately is a story of Batman and Catwoman, not about Hush. Hush is like a side piece to that. You know? Yeah, they really didn't focus on him much throughout the film. 
just and, at the very end, and then you yeah. had that very unsatisfying ending. But then here's this is the issue that I have with that is that they made changes to the actual storyline of Hush just so that they can tell the story of Bruce and Catwoman, which in my opinion is like don't use Hush then, like use something else or like don't like it's just, just they have their own separate storyline. Yeah. In the comics, that was a, an entire storyline yeah, in exactly. of itself. You didn't have to you know? kind of force it into this yeah. one. You know, like and if you had just done Hush the way that it was in the comic, I think it obviously would have been much better received. I didn't check to see how like it was received, but I'm assuming that like we have probably the same kind of. I think a lot of people that and and people like ourselves, right, who really revere Hush the comic book, right? Yeah. Um, I think those are the people that are going to have a lot of issue with how that animated. Yeah, it's and and that's my that. And I told you the last time we we spoke about this on the podcast, I had a lot of difficulty kind of wrapping my head around this movie because I love Hush so much. Yeah. And I wanted to like this movie so badly. I was looking forward to this movie for you know months on end when they first announced it I was like yes they're finally going to do Hush yeah me too you I know? was really excited for it too and their animated movies for the most part have been pretty good they kind of dropped the ball on this one and, and I didn't want to come right out and say that I wasn't a fan of it because there's a part of me that's still kind of I'm okay with it but I can't love it because like you said it is a Hush adaptation and it really didn't it really didn't keep to that that storyline all that much. It, it yeah, made I mean, too many changes yeah. for the sake of changes. And you know what? The way you said it, where they, they did it just to force in the Catwoman storyline, I didn't even think about that before. But you know what? You're right. Yeah. Because otherwise, why do all of that stuff? Yeah. You know? I so, mean, again, like I said, like, I, I, I did, like, it's not that I didn't like the, the movie itself. I just want to say that, like, it, I don't know if it, this will come across like it'll make any sense. But basically, I didn't like it just because it was called Hush. If it was called something else like Batman and Catwoman Romance, I probably would have loved. I would I would say that I loved the movie, you know. But because everything else, like the, I think the most of the voice acting was great. The animation was was, was good. The fighting were all great. Um, you know, the jokes were were, were funny. A lot of it, there was a, there's a lot of good in it. Just don't call it much. Yeah, you know that's my issue. And then now, the thing that I hate about it the most is that now we can't have a hush movie. Because what they're gonna make another hush movie and retell it? No. Well, no, you can't retell an animated movie if you already used the no, majority but, of the story. But they have, they they have done it because DC, the DC animated movie, um, they had Superman Doomsday. Yeah. And a lot of people had a lot of issue with that movie because it didn't follow the storyline. They went, they went back and just recently, I think last year, right, yeah, or this year, much. this year, they remade that storyline into two movies the way it should have been. The first was dealing with the death of, Sp- of Superman, yes. and then the next one was the rise of the Superman, which you had Cyborg Su- yeah. Superman afterwards. You had the Eradicator. Um, you had some of the other things and stuff. Yeah, I know she's climbing the wall. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's I, weird. But see, that's, so see, that's dumb they thing. they like, can't. Oh, like, well, I guess we can make another movie. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, I would rather like to see. It right. I'd rather have them do it in the live action and do it right. 
Yeah, they're not going to do that. That's too much. You can. Maybe. Yes. So, um, all right, we, we got a little sidetrack here because uh, Elias is throwing shades here. I'm not sure. If you're... Okay. Yeah. But, um, it's all good in the hood, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so what, what, what was your geek out? All right, I'm going to make this quick because uh, we're running on, we're running kind of long on the geek outs here. But um, I got to watch Amazon Studios' newest, It's the Boys. <laughs> Very good. Um, that's an adaptation of the comic book that's done by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and for the Supernatural fans out there, Eric Kripke, who's the creator of Supernatural, he's the one that's producing and overseeing this one. Awesome, bro. Um, the boys is bonkers, right? It was crazy. It, was it is absolutely insane. It is, but it, it's something that you need to watch if you're you're into superheroes. This is really a, a true deconstruction of the superhero mythos, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Because, and you know what? If you think about it in its purest form, it kind of makes sense because if you're this superhuman godlike figure that's walking around, you know, amongst regular people, you will have that elitism. Which is what a lot of these guys showed. For the most part, uh, you yeah. won't be crappy human beings yeah. like they are. But no, you but yeah, like have... there's, there's going to be like an air of arrogance to a lot of these, you know, DC esque superheroes. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you have um, Homelander, who's an uh, God. It's a, it's he's, a he's Superman. America, Superman yeah. hybrid. You have the Deep, who is basically Aquaman. You yeah. have Queen Maeve, yeah. who is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, who else is there? Well, uh, you have um, Translucent. Translucent. I don't. Invisible Man. Invisible Man, I guess. Uh, who's, there's another. Black Noir is my favorite character. Black Noir would be. He's, the he's like he's like Batman, I guess, right? In a sense, um, I can't. Who would he be in the DC? Because they, it looks like they're taking DC yeah. characters, right? Well, it looks like they're basically like Watchmen, to be honest. A little bit, yeah, yeah. exactly, you know? Um, and then you I have Starlight. Black, Black Noir is just comic relief. He doesn't say a word in the entire show. He's barely in the but show he's like, at all, you know? really. You know? Well, he's like one of, the, one of the issues that I have with the show. Very small issue. But it's just I felt that there weren't enough, like, superhero action scenes. But Black Noir was in a scene with a berserker Asian chick. The female. Basically it was yeah. like Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that was an insane fight in the whole, in the what was it, the the alleyway, right? Yeah. You know? And you um, know what, now that I think about it, like I don't know if I'm like leading on too much on this and whatnot, but it almost seems like the good guys are like mutants, kind of. Like you have like Asian chick is basically kinda of like uh like Wolverine. In a sense, and then and then uh, Starlight. Like I'm just saying, as far as like the characters themselves. Yeah. Like, the, like not the origin. Flawed. Not the origin, but I'm just saying, like Starlight and that Wolverine chick. I forget her name or whatever. The Kimiko. female. That's yeah. The Kimiko. Kimiko. The female. Like they they're yeah. like almost like flawed humans, whereas the other superheroes, of course, they're flawed, but they have like that arrogance and and that look and feel of like DC characters. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like it feels like there's like a little bit of a Marvel versus DC thing going on. You know what? I never thought about it that way. It's true. true. Yeah. You know, it's true. So well, it's uh, yeah. Actually, I think that like I think that um how like 
I think that how um how they do everything like with um people not liking the superheroes is um normal in a way. Because think about it, when when there's you have heroes running around with superpowers, with godlike powers, and you expect them to be like somehow good. It's hard to explain, but I'm just gonna give an example. An example of the Sokovia Accords. Mm-hmm. Well, the Sokovia Accords is a little bit different because, in in that aspect, it's not that they're they're um, not liking the heroes. They're just it's scared. just they're scared of them. Yeah, you know, and and it's it's a way of trying to drain them in and check them. Um, obviously, it failed in the MCU. Yeah, you know, but it's a little bit different. In the boys, what it is is that. The superheroes actually, they have a public image of being these really good superheroes, but their private lines, they are crappy individuals. But, like, you know? everybody loves them. Yeah, show. exactly. It's just a couple people that have seen, like, who they the are true, real exactly. are trying to take them down. Right? Mm-hmm. The boys. Yes. You know? Um, but as far as the general public goes, they all love them. They all think that they're great. And I'm telling you, man, these guys, like, those superheroes, they do some really messed up stuff. That first scene on the first episode with uh, with A Train, who was supposed oh. to be the Flash in this, yeah. I mean that well, tells it all, like, right? The, the, scene oh, the, ter- the, the, the scene with the airplane hijacking. Oh, that was horrible! That was horrible, man. That was that horrible, was terrible. You know, don't want to spoil it, but it's one of those scenes that I'm like, like it really kind of like makes them evil. Well, it cements Homelander because Queen Maeve. Was well, we on that, we right, but she yeah. was on that plane, yeah. and she wanted to do the right thing, and he was like, "No, let's get out of here," you know. So he was really. And I literally just said, "Don't spoil it." No, no, no. But we didn't. We didn't. I haven't said what they did, you know. I but, mean, but, sort of. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll leave it at yeah, that. Um, it's Amazon Studios, The Boys. If you're into the superhero genre. And if not, and if you hate superheroes, this is the show for you. Yeah, if you, you know? love superheroes or if you hate superheroes, this is the show for you. It's, it's more of a drama than an action show. Yes, it is. You. Yes, it is. So for those of you guys that are into, like, you know, dramatic, very well-acted-out scenes and that sort of stuff, like, it's it's one of those, like, high-caliber shows. Yeah. So. so, Elias, what have you been keeping out over this week? Well, um, actually... I was going to um, geek out of geek um, out about a show called. I'll just geek, geek about them both. Okay, so yeah, the first right. one is Evangelion. So mm. I know I think Walt uh, geeked out about this a couple of. Um, I think he geeked out about it once. I did. Yeah. I, but I did. A, I did. A, I did it of the manga. I think you're doing the anime, right? Both. Okay, go for it. So, um, I finally got around to watching it, and honestly, I didn't expect too much out of it. Did you see the whole thing? Not the whole thing, but I read the whole entire book. You read all the books? No, the whole entire, first one. The first book, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the first season? No. The first book is like the first four episodes. Okay, 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 okay. So, yeah, I finally got around to um, the first four episodes. What'd you think of the book? Okay, so the book, very interesting. Um, I mean, 
Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I liked how they um they made it very dramatic. Like, that's something you usually see in regular animes. Well, the thing is that the anime came before the book, so the book is based off of the anime. Keep that in mind. Yeah, it's usually the other way around. Yeah, they usually the take the book and then they adapt it onto the yeah, TV so screen. I think one of the reasons that you're seeing the dramatic feel in the book is because of the uh, the anime was already built like that. Yeah. So. And so far, um, honestly, it's like a regular anime. To be honest. How so far long. have you how far have you gotten along on the four, show? Four episodes. Four episodes. No, no, no. Actually, on the show, I think it's only three. Okay. On the book, it's basically. There's like what twenty three episodes to this stuff. It's twenty five episodes. Twenty five. Okay. Twenty six. Wait. Twenty six episodes. Yeah. It's high twenties. It's, it's 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 twenty six episodes, including the movies. So the two movies that are kind of. And they got a new one coming out soon. Well, that like that's okay. a whole separate thing. We can tell that's a, yeah, that's a whole. Evangelion, we can put like yeah. an entire. We can make it an entire, you know, show off of that. You should do that. That style. Um, so, as the resident Evangelion expert on this panel, uh, you've literally only cracked the surface. You won't see too much, but I mean, you'll see changes and stuff like that. I think that you'll probably enjoy the show a little bit more. Um, closer to like episode 12 and 13 when you get to episode 16 is when the entire thing breaks wide open and that's when that's when you're probably going to be like what am I watching that's far that's far that's far wake up yeah well actually I have another geek out so I'm going to just run through these two quickly right um actually this this should be a geek out between um, us two, um, and we watched it with someone else. But mm-hmm. we, I finally got around to um, looking at the well, the show. Sorry, the show just came out, right? And it's based off the book, which I really loved. Okay. And it's oh, on sure. Amazon Prime. I'm giving you hints, like. And it's like so easy. It's the only anime the one, you watch on. The one, one, the one that still hasn't finished yet. The one that is taking like a thousand million hours. You're killing me. What's the, just give us the name. Is that Vinland? Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga. So okay. it's not really famous. I know that. No, actually, it is. Really? I, I, I do believe that it's one of the more well-known um, Japanese mangas out there it's I know it was a bestseller when it first came out it's awesome um, it is so for just to give you perspective um, have you ever have you guys ever seen History Channel's The Vikings or Vikings I, I haven't okay one of those things that I've been wanting to do but just haven't got it's, it's an excellent show um, and this I've, I've seen this um, on the internet quite a, a number of times they say that this is kind of like the spiritual successor to that show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so okay. it's um, it's a Japanese anime, obviously, based off of a manga. But it's dealing in real histor- historical events that happen. Um, you have okay. Leif Erikson that's in there. You have the Scottish and the Danish kings and stuff like that. So that's the backdrop of it. And it's a revenge story. 
Yeah, that sounds cool. So, um, the reason why I said it's not really famous is just because I haven't heard it. Oh, okay. But I, I did buy you the book. Yeah. So the, re- the first time I read the book, I was amazed. It's a really good show. And it's a Honestly. very, very good show. It's very well animated. <coughs> um, and like I said, it's, it's a revenge story. I'm not going to get too much into it because um, you guys really should go out and see it. But it's definitely worth a watch, right? And definitely. So, they're coming out. They did an interesting tack. What they did was they, they put out the first three episodes. Yeah. Then they took a month break, and now they're slowly putting out episodes a week at a time. Okay. So, so maybe not even a week. No, it is a week at a time. It is? They started on their weekly schedule. So I think they cool. should be up to episode either five or six right now. Yeah, five or six. Yeah. So. Hey, if, if you're into Vikings, if you like anime, if you like blood and gore, if you like uh, battlefield fights. Seven out of seven drag balls. There you go. <laughs> Seriously. That works. And those are our geek outs of the week. So, um, damn, I don't even know how to transition this. You know what? Let's just go into it. Um, we also saw two movies since the last time we, uh, we had our podcast. We did Lion King, and just today we saw Hobbs and Shaw. Oh. Yes. Oh, exactly. No. We'll talk yes. about that in a second. Let's get into Lion King. Um, Metatron, what did you think about Lion King? Here's the thing. Uh, we also went to see this with Hafa, um, and he made a point that I didn't really take into account at first, but then as I watched the movie, it really slowly became apparent. A lot of what made the original movie so good was that sure it's not realistic but at least in the animated version they were able to convey a lot of emotion because their faces were so human like you don't get any of that in this movie because it's realistic and normally realistic is a good thing but in this case at least for me it was kind of a downside because I mean, artistic, from an artistic standpoint, if you can't use the face, you at least have to have a heavy emphasis on the eyes. Because that is where a lot of the emotion is going to come from. And then, Interesting point. even with that, there were a few scenes where I was like, okay, there's the emotion. But there wasn't enough of those. And that kind of threw me for a loop. Oh, and don't, uh, don't get me started on how they butchered my boy. Be prepared. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, it's not horrible, but, like, I, I liked it better when it was a song song, not like, uh, all right, we're going to rally the troops. Let's just say it. Be prepared. Be prepared. I like the song, man. Elias, what, what do you think? By the way, I'm having a Klondike bar. These are awesome. What would you do for a Klondike bar? I'm a black marshal. <laughs> I, I just know about this. Um, so, just to joke around, Simba does not have a heart. Huh? Elaborate, please. Yeah, how does someone have a heart? I could not see him cry. He, they should have had some sort of tears. See, here's the when problem. Died. He did cry. You just couldn't notice it. You could kind of hear his whimpers, but he was crying. And see, that's what that's what the realism takes away from it. All right. So I didn't get to see the movie. So let me ask you this: um, Do you feel like? So they didn't. They didn't use any like human realism that they conveyed and showed in the actual animated movie, the original. But 
did you see? How do I explain this? I guess, like, how the actual animals in real life would show emotion. And I see, there's there's where you know it's a, it's a little tough because they amped up the realism on this movie, you know, a hundred and ten percent. And you know what? There are a lot of if you look at animals in general, this is how they would react to certain situations. You know, like yeah, so, like so for maybe example, it was, it was done purposely for that. No, I, I I totally agree with that. I think that was the main point because there are certain scenes that. In the animated space, and we just had a wipeout with the Klondike bar with Elias here, you know. So, Elias, how's the shirt like in the, the Klondike? It says it's awesome. Okay, there you go. I can bait in these. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, they, they, made it, they made a point, getting, getting back to the Lion King, they made a point that um, they were looking to find realistic ways on how these animals would would um, react to these certain situations. There are certain things in the animated space, in the animated movie, where they did things that were human-like, you know? So, um, boy, this has become a project with this Klondike bar here, you know? Gosh, you know? Um, my, my issue with the movie is that I agree with both Elias and Metatron here. Um, the original movie, it can, it used the, the, the animals' faces to convey a lot of emotion, and there was a lot of emotion in The Lion King. This movie, and it pains me to say it because I know how much work was put into it, and I'm pretty sure that the people that, that did this movie didn't do it with the intention of not, but it's, it's difficult when you're trying to adapt a classic. And so I saw the second time with my wife and she said, you know, it's not fair to, to judge it against the 1994 original. And I said, but it's, it's, it invites itself because you kind of have to, you know. And so what I walked away with, even on the second time, and the second time I enjoyed it a little bit more, but it didn't have the heart that the first one okay. did. There was, there was a scene that was taken away, taken away from the original. And this was the scene where after um, Nala confronted Simba in the place where he was living and said, you need to come back, you know, he has this moment where he walks away and he looks up at the sky and he says, why did you do this to me? Why did you leave me? Yeah. You know, they didn't have that in that movie. Really? You know, th those are some of the things that were, were missing from there. There was another point where you know, um, after the the elephant graveyard, you know, Simba um, Mufasa goes and he says, "I need to teach my son a lesson." And in the original movie, you see Simba. First of all, you, you, it conveys the worry in his face, but then he comes down, like you know, he's like, "Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do?" And this one, he, none of that happened. It was just like, "Okay, let me just walk over to Dad and see what he's gonna scold mm -hmm. me on." So it was little things like this, and Timon and Pumbaa, I'm sorry, those guys, they tried really, really hard. They can't replicate the magic that those first two had in the first movie. There, there is just, and I, like I said, I hate to compare it to the first movie, but you have to, because if you're doing occasionally scene-by-scene scene 
you're doing the exact same thing, you're begging. Yeah, it's going to be compared. You're it's begging. Not going to be exactly. Compared. You're um, begging somebody to compare it to the, the original. And so, and listen, there were some parts where they changed it, where it was actually, it was actually for the better. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it, the yes. part of the gorge, right? Yeah. He actually gave a very compelling, compelling reason to be there and to bring Simba there. Whereas in the original, he was like, well, I got a surprise for you and left it at that. But yeah. what was the reason that uh, Scar brought Simba to, to the gorge? Apparently, that's where Mufasa perfected his own lore. So that was the place where the lions go as young cubs to learn their roar. So well, I mean, in that know, case, I it makes sense. I like that touch personally. That yeah. was, that was. I mean, I still, I still need to see it. I still want to see it. But it sounds to me like maybe they made these changes so that it could try to stand on its own. Versus, like, could you imagine if they tried to like replicate every scene exactly? No. Then it still would have been compared, and mm-hmm. it probably still would have been found lacking. You know, the fact that they maybe didn't have those scenes in there was simply to like try to have like. Just a different take, which is what it was, right? What I'm going to say is I'm going to echo what the the original animator said. Why did you have to do this? The the first movie was so, in my mind, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, That movie was so perfect. I mean, there are certain little nitpicks that you can put on the face of it that movie was so perfect the animators of the original one was like why did you have to do this there there was really no need for it you know because you can't improve on perfection right? I well guess. i mean yeah. you, know? you know a short a short of a short of I, like i i can understand their sentiment their feeling behind it but mm-hmm. short of just re-releasing the movie over and over again every 20 years or every 30 years or whatever see you know in the in the theaters i mean you see this happening time i mean why why have another spider-man origin movie or another batman movie or for another 007 it's it's for the new generation true um i I can see some value there granted like these generations are probably like lion king is one of those movies that 60 year old grandparents are going to make sure their grandkids watch you know what i mean it's one of those few movies that like transcends generations and And, and to your point when we when i went to the second viewing there was a bunch of kids that already knew what was going on because they had seen the original yeah Yeah. and and so there are certain points where they were like simba no watch out these kids knew because they had seen the original already just like you said but i'm sure that there's been there's plenty that didn't see the originals just a travesty you're horrible parents if you haven't made your kids watch the lion king sorry You know, I, I just think it's one of those things that, like, you know, there's going to be different iterations of the same story told. The story of Circle of Life, you know, other, other, I think, uh, uh, forms of media will tell the same story in a different way and whatnot. Disney mm-hmm. is choosing to kind of relive the story again. I'm sure that, like, 50 years from now, they're going to do it again. No, most likely. I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't doubt it. I understand, like, the animator's sentiment and stuff like that, but you just it's one of those things that it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to stay with my, my original thought that, you know, it, it it's not a bad movie. Don't, don't, I know I'm, I'm judging it harshly here. Um, it's not a bad movie, but 
you know, when you compare it to the original, again, I'm comparing, but I, I can't get away from that. It pales in comparison to the original. The okay. original is, is, you know, leaps epic. and bounds. So, it's an epic movie. So what's your rating? I, I would I would say that this movie is is a solid five out of eight six out of eight. Okay. Um, it, it's not. Yeah. You can't have both. You got to pick one. Okay, so I'll go for I'll, honestly I'll go five out of eight. Okay. If I'm comparing it to the original, I got to go five out of eight. You know. Because All right. If you've never seen the original, then I'll go six out of eight. It's still it's still there's still wow, six out of eight. Even yeah, if you've never seen the because, original, because because the problem is that you. And again, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to be as objective to this as possible, right? But there are points where you feel that they're forcing the comedy there. Okay. Yeah. They're forcing the emotion there, you know. And it, it just it felt flat to me. So, you know, I can't. I, like I said, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. Okay. It's a movie that you can go watch with your kids and they'll have fun. You know, you won't come out of it regretting it. Saying oh, it was the horrible, the worst movie of all time, but you're not gonna come away with the same feelings that you had if you watched the original. The original was just like, oh my god, I gotta go watch it three, four, five, six times again. Okay. This one, I can wait until it comes out on digital. I don't have to go see it again, even though I did see it twice already. Ugh. All right, you know, but oh, anyway. great. Um, oh, what? Um, go for it. Well, I mean. I know there are people who like that movie, right? And I don't want to be mean or anything, but I gotta say, it it doesn't have the same magic, right? And especially that scene where Simba's like, no! What did oh, I say? What did man. I say? That was gonna be a meme, right? That was. <laughs> that's, that a, was. that's a memeable moment right there, you know? It definitely was. But, so what do you think? Did you think... What, what's your rating on, on The Lion King? Okay. Don't get mad at me for this. No, we won't. Listen, all opinions are valid here. Um, fans don't get mad at me for this. I can't Please. help you with that one. Yeah. But. but what, let's, let's just keep this nice. Five out of eight. Okay. That sounds, but, that sounds reasonable. But 30 years later, Lion King still has its touch. Yes, it does. Metatron. Well, like I said, and I'm basically going to say what everyone else said, or more specifically what Walt said, it's not a horrible movie. It's just that it has so much writing on it. And then, like, like you said, if you saw the original, there were just all these little nitpicky things you can nitpick at. It's like, ugh. But just because it's Lion King and because I actually did enjoy it, I'm going to say I did enjoy it. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Sounds good. Actually, I think they overdid it, and I think that's the problem. Overdid it? No, no, explain, explain. Overdid the comedy? Overdid, like... Well, you didn't really get much comedy until you got to Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, but... You didn't even get the comedy from the hyenas. Yeah. Well, they weren't funny anymore. They were actually fearsome. No, Which is what a hyena is in real life. Yeah. They're intelligent. They're fearsome. They're, you know, scary. I, I hated the hyenas for one reason. They didn't have that one hyena who giggled. Oh, like Ed? crazy... <laughs> 
I love that and, hyena. Yeah, hyenas were great. Oh man. Okay. Well, we'll see. You gotta watch it. Yeah, I gotta watch. I gotta. I'll give you guys my take uh, when I get a chance to see. It. All right. So let's transition into the next movie, which, which I is also been in see. Okay. Sorry, guys. That's okay. But that's Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, I'm sorry. The Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Don't don't put that in, please. Listen, no, that's no. what it's titled, so I got to put it out there. It can't be. So, what did you think about the movie? Oh, uh, in a good way. Okay. Um, no, not me first. Not me first. Okay. Because that I have a lot of stuff. Want Hollywood personified? That is Hollywood personified. The movie. Like. Meaning what? Sure, it was it was big, it was flashy, it was ah, the little quips. Um, I don't say I didn't like it, but I haven't really been a fan of the Fast and Furious movies to begin with. <gasps> <laughs> Whoa! Last one. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm not saying it's horrible. It's just okay. It's a racing series. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> it yeah. stopped being a racing series a yeah. while ago. And that's <laughs> probably going to be, oh, you know, it's not even my place to say it, but I was going to go ahead and say it. That had absolutely nothing to do with the original series. Curious presents. And I think that's one of the things that I had to gripe with. You okay. could have you could have taken the Fast and the Furious part out of it, and it would have been just any other movie, you know? An action movie, which, by the way, was completely bonkers, over the top, ridiculous, crazy. Um, is there any any other word I could use? I mean, it's enjoyable, but my gosh, <laughs> you really got to check your brain at the door. Really? <laughs> oh my gosh! I like like I was telling you before, the 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 scene where they jump uh, buildings in Dubai and what was that? Fast Seven. I think it was one of one of those. That's like every other every other second in this movie. I mean, there are nuclear power plants falling on people, um, and they walk away from it. <laughs> There's a point where there is I mean, a. This is one of those it like, had to have been decommissioned. <laughs> this is one of those like. It fell on top of the bad guy, and he walked away like nothing. You know, yeah. he's, like, black he's black Superman. Superman obviously. <laughs> Jesus. There's a point. There's a point where they try and bring down a helicopter with four cars, yeah, chained together, and he's oh. holding onto his hand. Right? Well, the, the chain gets loose, and for in order for him to hold on to the helicopter, he's got to pull the two together. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! <laughs> he does a Captain America. It's, it's, dude, yeah. I am telling you. We're reaching spoilers, by the way. Yeah, listen, it's... It's not that yeah, much spoilers. That's sorry, from guys. the trailers. Yes, it's a... Sp- but, yeah, a lot of the stuff is from the trailers anyway, which is a, another criticism. They sp- they spoiled a lot of the movie in the trailers. A lot of the stunts, a lot of the, the big laughs, it's all in the trailers. Now, I will say this. There are two people in there that are not in the trailers that once you see them in the movie, you're like, oh, my God, this is the best thing of all time. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know if I want to tell you this. Yeah, you can tell me. I'm good. Okay. I'm not like, uh, it's not one of those movies that I'm like, I cannot be spoiled. Ryan Reynolds is in the movie? What? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? He is? 
He is full on Ryan Reynolds. He's like Deadpool Reynolds. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh my god! I'm right so down, mad right, right now. down to the the rock tattoo. No, I'm green. so mad. No okay. green lantern rings at all. No, yes, exactly. No. And the second person. Know. Who's the second person? Kevin Hart. What? <laughs> oh my god! I have to go see this movie now. Kevin Hart as an air marshal, the funniest thing of all time. Oh my god! He, they play it. I, I'm, I'm telling. You. Uh, so the Wait, does Ryan Reynolds have like just a small part? He has. He's in the beginning, and he's at the end. Okay. Kevin Hart is in the middle, and um, the the, the actually Kevin the end. yeah, and like maybe five minutes toward the end. The Kevin Hart <coughs> piece is in the middle. That's actually a long scene, right? When they're in the thing, that's at least a good five to ten minutes of Kevin that's Hart. Cool. It's a camera. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. Those are two good cameos. I did not expect those things. Yeah, exactly. Like, when when we were sitting there, we we're watching and all of a sudden he pops up and we're like, What? <laughs> and then the Kevin Hart thing and I'm, I'm like completely mind blown <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, dude. And it's full on Kevin Hart again. So they're they're basically playing themselves. Awesome. The interplay between the characters is really good. I think because they're like friends in real life. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah. But yeah, I know The Rock and, and Kevin Hart, they're like best buds. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Jumanji. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is so over the top. I mean, it's over the top where like you don't really enjoy it. Like, it's, it's, it's like you get to a point where like, all right, guys, this, this is a little much. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's right. like, okay, you. there's a point where you're like, no, they can't do, oh, well, look, they, they went ahead and did it. You know what I'm saying? No, they're not going to do it. Oh, look at that. They did it again. Wait, they can't do this. Son of a gun, they did it. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, it it gets so, it's it's bonkers. It, this is, this is not a Fast and the Furious movie. This is a lock, stop, lock, stock, and two barrels. Um, snatch. This is Wanted. This is oh Mission Impossible. Oh. This is let me see what else. There's another movie that I that I wrote down that I said okay, this is what this movie is. Um, it, it's just so I'm, over the top. It's Central Intelligence. Oh. It, it is, right? Am I right? Yeah. yeah. It is all these movies. Central they, Intelligence is pretty over the top, actually. It's not over the top like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that whole scene where he takes Kevin Hart and Central Intelligence and throws him out the window. Yeah. Oh, they've got it topped by far, and they go out the window by far topped. You know what I'm saying? So, so I said it's not a Hobbs and Shaw movie. It's like twelve different movies, and they just mashed it together well, I mean, and say, "Let's see what happens." Like, hey, like it's gonna be a summer blockbuster. Let's give them what every summer blockbuster Ooh. has ever done. Ooh. All right, but you know what? What do you do in the next movie? Oh. It's it's like escalation well, that's for every thing, right? single like, movie. Like probably, that was their intent. Like, all right, let's set the bar up here, and let's try to see who's going to try to top it. You know, and that and that's their well, that's their niche, right? Their niche is like is is let's let's do these stunt kind of movies and and just keep trying to top it. And that's well, that's the spectacle that people are going to go watch. Well, they got spectacle. Nobody's watching Fast and Furious for the story. They're not watching for the cars anymore. They're not watching for the story. Oh my god! They're not watching it for. Yeah, it's not the cars uh, anymore either. It's not the cars. It's not the story. Uh, Idris Elba's motorcycle. 
that thing is the shit. That thing, oh, that thing is awesome, that thing is like a transformer, Robotech, all boiled, <laughs> moiled into one. That was a really that good thing, yeah, the stuff that that motorcycle does. Is it like the bat cycle? No, not oh. even. Not that's Batman like the, wishes he had this motorcycle. Yeah. Batman <laughs> needs to invent this motorcycle. Let's wow. put it that way. The stuff that this mo- the motorcycle drives by itself, and it comes to to Idris Elba as he beckons it. Like, and, and, like a horse and like those classic it literally movies. and when it drives up it doesn't scoot to the it stays upright waiting no. for him to mount it no it's no. like a horse I kid you not no. the stuff that this thing does <laughs> Batman hasn't invented this yet I don't think he has the technology to do this <laughs> no remember so. that part where they went up when on went under the truck Oh my gosh! And the motorcycle like motor- squished together. You see, you've seen the car go yeah. under the. the yeah. You have not seen the motorcycle. <laughs> you have not seen the motorcycle. All right then. That any, motorcycle any other, is ill. Any other thoughts on the uh, on, on Hobbs and Shaw or Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw? Any other thoughts? I don't know what else to say, really. So then, what's uh, what's your rating on it? Uh, we'll start with uh, you, Elias. Give us your rating. I mean, I loved how they did it over the top because I like over the top shows like um, One Punch Man. So yeah, yeah, it's it's on that level. That's what I'm saying. Like it has its niche. It's on its le- it's it's enjoyable as all whatever you want to say, right? It, it's just it, you know, it's literally like you said, it's a blockbuster summertime yeah. movie. Check your brain at the door. Okay. Just enjoy the explosions. You know, Michael That's Bay. Michael Bay is probably saying, damn, I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it was over the top of Michael Bay? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's like, why did I think of that? You know? <laughs> 6.3. 6.3 out of 18. Slightly over 18. 7. Seven. Oh, Jack Balls. Oh. 7. What? <laughs> we gotta have, alright, it's gotta be out of the slices. Go with the slices. Yes. So those of you guys that are new, uh, our rating system that we are still trying to define, I guess, (laughs) is uh, keeping in line with our, um, you know, theme of pizza, which we don't have anymore. (laughs) Uh, At least the last two times. At least the last two times we haven't had pizza, but regardless, we do, you know, eight slices of the regular New York pie, so, you know, out of eight, eight is you got to go watch the movie, watch it a few times, whatnot. Four out of eight, I think it's like watch it once. Anything less than that, you should just stay at home wait for the DVD rental. So. Yep. Actually, just when you think it can't go over the top, you see the end credit scene. Don't spoil. Yeah. I'm just, not gonna say that. Just leave that one alone. Yeah. So what's your rating? Um. Yeah, you six, out, six out of eight. Okay. If you, Janice. <laughs> <laughs> you got an inside joke? Yes. When you watch the movie, you'll understand. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> what about you, Walt? I am going to give it an 8 out of 8 heroin-infused, acid-laced, totally cool. um, cannabis-filled... What's, what's the new stuff? The, the cannabis uh, oil... CBD dripped oil. in CBD oil okay. all mixed into one and then just throw some cocaine on top of it pizza slices there all you right. go wow that's awesome. a hell of a pie <laughs> meta? five out of eight five out of eight what? Okay. 
wow, we're like kind of all over the board here. It's right. it's it's one of those films that it's just like if if you're you have to know what you're going into before you go into okay. it. Okay. And you have to have you ever seen the movie Wanted? Yes, of course. Okay. Super over the top. Super no well the, In comparison, there is yeah, a there is not. a new um yeah, holder yeah. of that title now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if you enjoy those type of movies, then Hobbs and Shaw is right the up, yeah. perfect movie for you. You know, I guess I'm gonna probably give it eight out of eight cocaine slices. Cocaine, <laughs> heroin, acid, LSD infused with CBD oil. So you're telling me I'm gonna watch this movie and have an OD right after? <laughs> All right, yeah, so, something like that. So there you have it. That's Hobbs and Shaw. Alright guys, so now we're back with um, our main topic for this episode, which is going to be House of X. Um, the uh, second issue to House of X has just been released this week, and it's it's, it's one of those things uh, that um, I think Walt can also agree that we just haven't experienced in a long time, which is like intense excitement for a comic book where I can't wait for the next issue to come out. I want the third one now. I want the third one now, yeah. And yeah. It's, it's the same exact thing, same exact feeling. I don't want to wait for all six issues to come out, um, which I'm sure that we're probably going to have an event review, you know, when all six issues of House of X and Powers of X yeah. comes out. We'll have an episode to give a full recap of all the comics. I think it would be cool to maybe do like a, uh, uh, a table read discussion maybe reread all the comics and then talk about them in, in some sort of format. But for now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the, the second issue of House of X, as well as Powers of X number one. Which I haven't okay. read yet. You haven't read, but I, I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit, not too much, okay. um, since the main topic is kind of like where we are in House of X. Um, so, well, this is, you just read House of X issue one, I I literally I finished the first one maybe about 15 minutes before we started the podcast and we were so enthused that we downloaded the second one out of out of comicology right comicsology comicsology and we did we literally right before we started this podcast we were reading that yeah we decided to read the second issue of of House of X which is amazing and decided that, you know what, this is, like, too important. We we kind of changed the whole plan for tonight's episode. Yes, And did. decided to make the main topic House of X because, like, just, wow. You know, like, what, like, the... I mean, one thing that you notice in the two issues, it literally, like, from page one starts with a bang. Absolutely. I mean, the, that first page you see... Um, the birthing of... Well, um, let's not get to, to issue number two. Let me ask you... No, this, this, this is the about. first one, isn't it? The, oh, I was oh, talking, talking about, about like... Oh, that yes, bir- the birthing like chamber, the right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So that's how that first episode, that first um, issue starts, right? Yeah. And you see this mysterious figure, which eventually we find out that it's Charles. It's interesting the way they, they frame that thing because you see... 
these mutants coming out of these cocoons, they're on the ground and they're reaching upwards to to Charles as if he was like a biblical like figure. God. You know what I'm yes. saying? He's and almost like a Jesus Christ. Exactly. And and what's the thing that he says? Come to me, my mutants. Right. Yes. Exactly. So again, leaning into that whole biblical godlike yeah. figure that Charles is, he's very very different. He is. And, and there's I, an I explanation that, yeah. to that. Yes, there is. Which we'll get into. Going to that point, if you remember the very last panel that we see in the first issue, Mm -hmm. do you remember what Magneto said? He said a lot of good things in that book, man. There was was a thing... That was the one where he said... um, So we'll we'll, we'll get to that then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Essentially... So let's let's just keep that in the, the, the mm-hmm. background that you have this because that's a great line. line. Yeah, you have the, this. You, you you see Xavier again. He looks kind of like a god, sort of, you know, um, and all these other. That cerebral helmet. Yeah, man. It's, it's weird. Oh my you god, know, he has like a different aura to himself. Yes, he does. Um, and uh, again, we explained in a previous episode how you know the um, the in this timeline and. In this timeline, you have uh, Xavier on an island, uh, a mutant island, literally a mutant island called Kapoor, that has gateways all over the world, and he has like some like weird, you know, scheme going on and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ambassador to the islands and the rest of the world is Magneto, amongst others. And Magneto has uh, convened a council of ambassadors from different countries who he brings to uh, Jerusalem for one specific reason. Not to negotiate. It's, it's not to negotiate. It's to it's to show them. Uh, the, it's, it's basically a symbolic gesture mm-hmm. to show them who their new gods are. Yes. And that's why it's so fitting that Charles looks more like a god than he does as a professor. I, I'm going to say this. That first that first issue, I love the world building that they do in that in that series that that uh that book because um you're you're getting it from different perspectives you're getting it not only from the mutant perspective you're getting it from the ambassadors the ambassadors are are basically giving you in insight on what they're thinking on the huge humanity side right yeah um you've got the news the news cast type of things you have these little graphics that show you know yeah i mean it's, it's, it's the stuff. way that jonathan hickman does his yep. books it's awesome. He, he kind of, when he changes scenes, I think, mm-hmm. or I guess like just how he separates the sections in the books, he adds like a, a notes page. So it's a right. blank page that has like a note or a paragraph or something Which or is some information interesting. that gives you a little bit of a break in the comic book so that you're not just reading panels over panels over panels, right? So, um, uh, and then when you're done with that notes page, you get transported to another section, which is cool. So it's a good uh, transition. It, it, yeah, it, it's awesome how he does that, and you know it's helpful to have those notes. Oh, know, it is so. because you know what? It, you don't. You're not waiting on exposition. Um, yeah, yeah you know, exactly. And it doesn't take you out of it because sometimes when you have. There, there are certain times where in a comic or in a movie or in a TV show, there's a, a character that's just Mr. Exposition or Miss Exposition. Yes. And it kind of takes you out of the story. Yeah. And so this is a nice little way. You know, sometimes it can be jarring, but it's a nice little way to give you the notes and the information that you need without it impacting the storytelling. 
yes. itself. Yeah, you know? exactly. I think, like, um, to that point, like, I think this is a, a much better way to give us backstory or information that we need without having to have a character regurgitate it in some way that makes sense in conversation. Right. Right? Because like, then the know, conversation just grinds to a halt. Yeah, that and that, 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 that's, I think that's one of the reasons why the comic book so far, like, flows, the, you know, the issue flows so well because all the dialogue just makes sense. You know, there's, again, there's no, there's no uh, Cyclops reiterating something that happened a hundred issues ago just to find a place in the book to let the reader know. There's notes in the book, which is cool. Exactly. Um, so, one of the other interesting things that I like about the book, um, it's it's the different dynamic between not only the two, the two species, Homo superior yeah. and Homo sapiens, but the places that they choose to live in, and and I'm specifically referring to the mutant island of Krakoa, right, and the forge. Which is um, the Orochi? What's the that faction that's kind of uh, that was activated like two years ago because of orchid. the orchid, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So the way that they show Krakoa, right? It, it's it's lush. It's you know vibrant. It's you know colorful and stuff like that. The forge, on the other hand, totally different. Yeah, and they're out in space, and and it's clinical, and it's it's generic and stuff like that, and so it shows that the dynamics of of both species, because you know, the Homo superiors, they're more of a vibrant species right now at this point, right? They're they're exponentially growing uh, on the planet Earth and yeah. stuff like that, and humanity is the diminishing well, species here. So that's all I was just going right? to say is that Homo superior, aka the mutants. They're, they they represent, I think, new life. Mm-hmm. Right? They exactly. represent a new genesis for the, 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 the homo sapien gene and, and whatnot. Whereas the the forge, a desolate place in space, all made of machine, mm-hmm. uh, represents the death of humanity. I think, in my yep. opinion, right? No, I agree. You know, because they're 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 putting all their chips onto. AI and machines. Yeah. And like I said, that's an interesting way of telling the story without having to have it hammered over your head because you see it visually. Yeah. Right? And which is important in the comic book because it is a visual medium, right? Yeah. So you want to see the vibrancy of the mutants as opposed to, you know, the dour and the failings of humanity at at this point. And and so now... um, with that being said, we're left off in the book with, uh, again, Magneto declaring basically to the world and the world ambassadors uh, that um, the mutants are their new gods, okay? And um, we have, uh, where am I? I'm sorry, I'm a little bit lost. New gods. Thought. New gods. So yeah, so he's declaring to the ambassadors that they're their new gods, and then now, now we move on to... Uh, Powers of X. I just want to give a quick little recap on Powers of X because the way that the the, the this new X Men timeline is being uh, launched is House of X comes one week, then the next week comes Powers of X, and then House of X again. Now, Powers of X doesn't tie in too much to so far its first issue doesn't tie into House of X 
much at all. Um, but I just want to explain that, like, in House of X, you see a... It starts off basically with a conversation with Xavier and Moira. Um, oh, that's how Powers of X so starts? Powers of X starts with, uh, with a conversation with, with Moira, who finds Xavier on the bench, and they have a joyful little conversation and whatnot. Um, that didn't make sense. It, so it just didn't make sense in the actual book. Um, and uh, Powers of X is interesting because it tells the story of X-Men over the course of four different uh, ages. The, the age of the first year of, of the X-Men, mm-hmm. then the 10th year of the X-Men, then the 100th year of the X-Men, and then the 1,000th year of the X-Men. Um, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't really make much sense at all, but I um, obviously reserve its judgment until the end of you know the, this miniseries. I'm sure everything's going to make sense. But the key thing was that scene where Moira comes to Xavier uh, at a picnic bench and you know he, he says have we met before and she says oh yes we have we, we have quite a detailed history yet this is the very first time that Xavier is meeting her okay? okay and that kind of brings us to House of X issue 2 which explains that scene. It does explain well, that scene at the very end of the issue. So let me ask you a question: Is it the same? Is it the same artist that's doing both books? Um, actually, I'm not sure if it's the same artist. I mean, Jonathan Hickman is doing both books. He's writing both books, but I would assume that it's the same artist. So let me ask the you: The art this, is, is, is is it similar? Yeah, it's it's very similar, but not identical. Um, I can't think of anything too different. So are the panels, because that, the way you described it in Powers of X is almost exactly the same as the panel, the way it's written. Oh, no, it, 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 no, no, no. So did so they the, lift the, the it? Panels that, yeah, they lifted it. Oh, okay, yeah, that's, lifted. that's what I wanted to, yeah, yeah. that's what I was yeah, getting they to. Yes, they you did. Know? Um, that's interesting, dude. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, God, it's so freaking good. Anyway, so issue two now starts with, um, essentially, it's the story of Moira. Yeah. Uh, the entire issue takes place with uh, a history of Moira, and shockingly, the the revelation that she was a mutant all along. Not was, only that, I think she... Would you classify her as an Omega-level mutant at this point? Because the... the well, power being, that, being, she being has, that she's like... So the power that she has is that she has the power of reincarnation. So if she dies as an adult, she gets reincarnated, which is what's interesting, right? So, yeah. So, and then not on, to- on top of that, it's not just that she gets reincarnated for her entire life. In her first life, she they, they describe how she had a full life. She had a husband and, you know, kids and eight grandchildren, and she died at, you know, peacefully at the age of 76 or something like that. And then she is born again. Right? But when she's born again, she didn't lose any of the memories or any of the skills that she had in her previous life. So Which is as an, wild. It's wild because as an infant, she already knows how to speak and how to read and how to do everything that she already knows as an infant. And so with each life, everything that she learns, every time she dies in her new life, she gets a chance to kind of 
relive the life with all the information that she already had from the previous life so she can already see events happening and then how to react to them. So let me ask you this question. I want to get your opinion on yeah. this. Um, we, we see that she gets reincarnated, right? And then with each passing, with each new incarnation, she retains the memories of the old ones, right? That inherently makes her make different choices. And she mentioned it in her second life where she, she got married again to the same husband, but she was turned off by him because she already knew, she already knew his, everything, that all, everything that was going to happen. Yeah. She knew all his flaws. She knew that the guy wasn't going to change. That then, on her third incarnation, she was done with him because she couldn't handle that that thing. So well, she was done with him in her second life. Right, yes. Yeah, so you're she right. She chose not to have any kids with exactly. him or anything. You know, because she was always, and then in her third life, she didn't seek out that man anymore. So my question is this, and, and we're going into some timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly yeah. stuff here. Are we creating new timelines with I each and know. every incarnation? So so that's the thing that I don't know of. Because that's wild, right? That's what I don't know of, simply because, I mean, of course we have parallel universes mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. We have the multiverse. It's already, like, well-known in the Marvel Universe. Um, and, like I said, in Powers of X... We have four different timelines that we deal with. I'm not 100% sure with those four timelines if they're the, if they're chronologically within one timeline. So you okay. think those timelines have something to do with this now I mean, revelation? Well, we know that it will, and, and we'll explain why. Mm -hmm. um, but... It's an you know, interesting thought, something right? Something just kind of came into my head is, what if Moira is the reason there's a multiverse? That's what I'm saying. I, you got. I think what you if, have to if, classify her. What if, what if Moira in her first life, there was only one universe in her first life, and she's but then splintering in her second these. Life, that's when the second universe started happening. And that by the time that she had her tenth life or whatever life or whatever, you got ten universes. Had ten universes. Like, what if she's the reason that there is an Infinity Gauntlet? That there is like, all, like the Spider Verse and everything. What if she's the key to that? Did, yeah, I would say that she's an Omega yeah. level mutant. This character has has the ability to reshape the Marvel Universe as we know it well, going she's forward. Reshaping X Men Universe, right, right? But but that in turn changes everything, right? Because now in certain iterations she's she's helping, in certain she's not. Well, in so, one so, she is. So, so to give a little bit of backstory to those guys that don't know, Moira is the person that Charles Xavier falls in love with. Yes. You know, she falls in love with Charles Xavier. She was like his, his main squeeze. In the entire history of X-Men, Moira has been... I mean, Xavier's had uh, the Shi'ar queen. He had like a... Mm -hmm. He had a fling. With her and whatnot. But Moira was his like, you know, one true love. Yeah. And in the entire lifetime of like the X-Men, she has just been a human being as far as we know. Right. And it turns out that she wasn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... They show how she first met Xavier and absolutely hated him. Yeah, exactly. And then and she, she hid from him, right? She she didn't hide from him. She just like ignored no. him and didn't. Well, I not okay. Maybe oh, you mean as far as her powers? Yes, yes, yeah, that's she, what I mean. She hid her powers from him. Mm -hmm. um, she has the ability basically to like hide her true powers um, or block her mind, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and in her first uh, realization with her human genes. She actually worked towards curing herself of it because she looked at it as a curse. 
and that and brings in another character. But we'll get into that. Well, she created the cure, mm-hmm. right? But then we have another character that I've never heard of, Destiny, right? who comes and stops her because Destiny has the power to see the future, right? So she saw that Moira was going to create this curse, this uh, this uh, cure to, to cure the mutant gene and so on and so forth. So she stops her and she explains to her that you have 10 lifetimes, 10, li- 10 lives, mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, I know that it's basically Destiny tells Moira that she'll know if Moira's trying to kill the mutant race. Well, so she gives her a choice either to help the human the, the mutant mm-hmm. race or die. Well, let's let's frame that because originally that cure was strictly benign on her part. She and and maybe she was a little naive in thinking that, but when she first created the cure, yes, she wanted to cure herself of this thing, but she also created the cure in order to give it to the mutants that wanted it. And Dustin, and that's when they had that back and forth where Dustin was like, well, you know what? That's how these things start. Yes. Right? Where people do it to want, but you know they're going to take it away from you, and it's not going to become a cure, it's going to become a weapon. Yes, exactly. And so, Right, and so that was the biggest thing that Destiny was looking at, it's like you know, you're creating this, you're pretty naive in thinking that you're, you're just going to give it to the people that want it um, but I'm going to be here to stop you every single time you try and do it you know, whether yeah. you're doing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons what you should be doing is trying to help us Instead of trying to cure us, yeah, and so stuff, then, you know. so so then Moira. So anyway, Destiny kills Moira again horribly too, right? Really horrible way, <laughs> specifically so that she remembers because she knows that she retains every memory. Yep. She she kills her in a way that she will not forget what dying feels like is what she tells her. She, she that's, specifically commands that's harsh. her into like kill her and do it slow so that she doesn't forget what dying feels like. Which that other mutant is Pyro, her son. Yeah, I mean, again, there's like I, I so many revelations that it's not even two issues. <laughs> Jeez, it's so crazy. Anyway, she goes, she, she's again reborn and she realizes, like, alright, let me give Charles Xavier a second look. And this is the timeline that she falls in love with Xavier. Yes. And that's, that's essentially what I think the timeline that we've been living in. The age of when Moira was in love with Xavier as a human being. Dude. So, like, this entire time that we've been, like, reading X-Men since I was a kid, it's just been the one, like, Moira's fourth life. Dude, what about the that that those panels? Where they god, start yo, where, Oh my god Those I mean, panels Was it this so life sick. Was it this life That, it was, that those it, yeah, panels no, came out It was out? that life Where she decided That she was gonna like she Follow helps. Xavier Help him achieve his dream She was there With the first X-Men she Oh was my there gosh When they revamped She was there When uh, In the lost decade Okay <laughs> Which I think was A callback to uh, In the actual Comics timeline mm-hmm. um, Just like X-Men's uh, Very Uh down popularity like they weren't very popular it was like 10 years where like the X-Men line just wasn't selling the stories were kind of like lackluster it's the decade that I fell off of just because I just wasn't interested anymore mm-hmm. so I think that was kind of a call back to that yep last decade. I, I agree and with that and then um, she you know was there with Xavier at the very end where um, it was proven right that the humans wanted to destroy all mutants mm-hmm. and they succeeded yes and so she died and now her new goal was to save the mutants. So now she's she's with Xavier. She's with Destiny. She has. She wants to make sure that 
after realizing that that what Destiny said is true, that the humans are going to do, if they're left to their own devices, are going to destroy all humans, she wants to devise a plan to save them. But it fails. Every single life that she uses, like every single avenue that she tries, it fails. She tries to to uh, she tried to end the Trask family. Look, she is so so she she tried to create a hidden. A hidden world on the moon for all the mutants and yes. major sentinels found them and killed them. Next life, she tries to partner up with Magneto uh, and follow his ways and kill all the humans. That he still defeated work. her. Um, Apocalypse was she, the next she one. She teamed up with Apocalypse because she felt like she had no other recourse. That didn't help. So then she tried to kill every single human being that was trying to create Sentinel program and AI and so on and so forth. That but didn't it still work. Didn't work. And now she's down to her last life, and that's kind of where we find ourselves at the end of the book, where she realizes, well, like, every single thing that she could have done um, in her mind that she could have done by herself uh, to stop this uh, failed. So now she decides to completely open herself up to Xavier, show him her entire past, all the ten lives that she's lived, Mm -hmm. every single outcome that has ever happened, so that they can try to devise a new plan. That's where she meets him at the park bench. To him, it's the first time that they've ever met. To her, it's the tenth life that they've lived. This whole thing is wild. And she tells him that we've had extensive history, and she lets him see every single age that has happened and every single outcome. And essentially, this is where they team up to come up with the uh, with the new world. Right. In order to to save humankind, which is where House of X takes place. Right. So, so that's, essentially, this is where House of X starts. So basically, House of X two is a prequel to House of X one. In in the sort of yeah, I guess so. Way, because sense, yeah. because it brings you to the point where you see Xavier's revelation, right, and his realization. I'm sorry, of that. You know, it's it's senseless to try and work with the humans. Yes. Um, this is how we're going to do it, which is basically the start of House of X One. Yeah. So, which so is that's why, thing, right? Like, it's like the totally whole that, crazy. that whole thing where we were like, man, like this is like a different Xavier. I mean, I think you 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 didn't when I first explained this new Xavier to you, you were like, oh, I don't think that's the real Xavier. Yeah, it's totally. some sort of mind game. Exactly. But I think it is if you take into context that he got to see every single possible scenario. Where he tries his dream, they try Magneto's way, they try Apocalypse's way, they try, you know, every way possible, and still the mutants are destroyed by the humans or AI. It is a wild issue, it and is it's one of those things where I issue. think Xavier's like, oh, I guess, I guess I have to come up with like a radical new way, and that's where we are in the House of X. We are missing the best panel in the whole book. The best panel of the whole book is the realization. I think that that was in the apocalypse time. No, it was in the Magneto timeline. That panel. Oh, man, there was a sick the panel. The panel. So, you know which one I'm talking yeah, about. So, so, so Moira teams up with Magneto to try his way, which is like to recruit the mutants to kill all Homo sapiens. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, all the, all the Earth's superheroes fight off Magneto like all at once. So you just see like... like 
all the Avengers. You see Spider-Man in there. You see, like, just, like, the, the, the Avengers, X-Men, Spider-Man, they're all, like, just... It's, it's a vertical It's a vertical panel, right, from top to bottom. And you got to explain the way it is. They're attacking Magneto by himself. Like, it's just... It's... It's hard to explain. It is hard to explain, but it's just like all of them throwing a punch directly at Magneto. And, and that's how they describe like all of Earth's superheroes destroying that plan. And mutants. And mutants, and yeah. Everybody every is there. And, and it's funny because that panel is so interesting because it's a panel that you think you would look at it horizontally, but they chose to flip it and bring it top to bottom. And so on the very top, you have the Avengers... Kind of falling into Magneto, some uh, somewhat, right? Yeah, they were that's, like that's the effect. Yeah. That's the effect. You have all of them, and they're kind of so just sick. like flying toward Magneto, but he's all the way at the bottom. It's just an amazing panel. I mean, there there's so many things that that you look at to literally just geek out over, right? In this yeah. in this book, this it's wow, you know. Yeah, I mean, reading it, I was just getting chills. Man. Yeah, you know like, it's like, again, it's just it's so. And the thing is, like, we haven't really described. I don't think that we've done it justice, even with spoiling everything in these books. I don't think that we've done it justice. No. Like, you have to read this book yeah. in order to grasp the, the the gravity of like everything that's happening. The art is fantastic. The way that the panels are laid out is great. Um, and if you're an X Men fan, like, this is what you've been waiting for literally all your life because because. So far, I mean, with House of X number two, they literally tie in every single X-Men line that has ever come out, mm-hmm. I think, you know, because they show how, like, how these these lines could potentially be, uh, at least in my mind, just different timelines in Moira's lives, you know, in the attempt to save the mutant kind. It's true. It's true. It's it's crazy. It's It's, like I said, it's a book that could potentially redefine the, the Marvel Universe as we see it. Um, it's definitely going to reshape the mutant universe uh, without question. You know? I mean, I, I can't even... See, this is one of these books where it's like one of the things where you you start reading it and you have no idea where this where this thing is going to land. And, and that's something I appreciate because a lot of times you can kind of see the end coming this one, I have no idea yeah. where they're going to go with. I was know? just going to ask you, do you have any idea like, what the next issue might have? But I, I can't even speculate because they've already thrown us for so many loops within these first two issues. Um, I, I, where do you go from there? I mean, You haven't even read Powers of X. And, and like, that's the other thing, exactly. Oh, you know? God, this is like it's so wild. I oh. mean, you you could look at it and you can say that this is this is heading toward an, an all-out war between humanity and the mutants. You I mean, can that's look my at assumption. It. You can I mean, look because at that's, it. The, that's the thing that that's that's what they're alluding to. You know what I mean? Like, they are. They are alluding to it. Powers to the uh, in the timeline where it's supposed to be the thousandth year of uh, the X Men history. Um, that's the end of the. They're still at war, mm-hmm. but it's the war between the X Men and the uh, 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 machine AI, which created like there's no more. There's no more. Homo sapiens, but they've been replaced by AI. They're still at war with the mutants. Mm. It's interesting. There's there's so many ways you can, you can go with this. Um, you can have the mutants as as villains. You can have them as saviors. You can have them, you know, in an all-out war. 
you you can have them isolated. I mean, there's so many ways you can you can go with this at this point. Um, it, I'm, listen, I mean, like I'm so far eight out of eight slices, ten out of ten, whatever, seven out of seven Dragon Balls, whatever, man. I'm I'm all in on on, on X Men right now. I'm like, I feel like a kid again. Um, it's everything that I've ever wanted from X Men so far. I gotta so, wait another six days before the next episode. Uh, next issue uh, drops. Actually, Powers comes out on Wednesday, so. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah. So I gotta week, catch week, up week. on the first Powers. You know. Yeah, just, I'll, I'll, I'll lend it to you. Yeah. So there you have it, House of X. I think uh, I think it's definitely a worth read for you guys. So check it out. So we're going to wrap up this episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza. We geeked out over a bunch of things. Batman Ninja, Batman Hush. We did uh, The Boys, Vinland Saga. What else did we do? Oh. We did Dragon Ball. We did a yeah, bunch of stuff. Good, yeah. you know, Just we by talked, the way, I can't tell you anything right now because I, like, I lost all my memory. I'm pretty sure now. I know. I confirmed it. Area 51 is drugging me. Oh my god. <laughs> this is the second episode in a row where we've had strawberry milk and we've had a crash because of it. I keep seeing the next quick bunny. Oh. He's, he's oh way god. out of it. Yeah. He's way out of it. Uh, we got to review uh, Lion King and Hobbs and Shaw and we got into X-Men. So much so that Metatron removed himself from the podcast so we can start reading the first issue of uh, House of X. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, and we got to kind of talk a little bit about House of X. So anyway, uh, that kind of wraps it up for us, right? Yeah, I think I think we're done. I think we went a little over long, but I think right. it was worth it because... Exactly. And we got to talk about a lot of good things here. So, um, guys... Well... Until next time. You cheat flip-flops, don't drink Nesquik. Nesquik will definitely drug you. And Meta sucks at um, Dragon Ball Fighters. Never play with him. This is Metatron <laughs> bidding the adieu. Well, yeah. Metatron is still hard in that book, so. Um, this is Walt reminding you to stay geeky. And until next time. Later, peeps. <laughs>